following on from our excellent guest a fortnight ago, we have another excellent guest. Today, we are joined by somebody who you probably don't know around the internet, but many people will secretly rely on and not be aware of that. We here at Hemispheric Views are big supporters of Fastmail. I'm a happy customer. Jason's a happy customer. Martin, we'll get him over the line at some point. But Very happy to listen. Big supporter. <laughs> you know, he's Mr. Default, so, you know, it's iCloud all the way. But what I'm saying here is we have somebody from Fastmail themselves. His name is Rob, and Rob joining us on the line. Welcome to Hemispheric Views. Thanks for coming. Hello, thanks for having me. Um, it is good to be here. And I, um, Martin, I look forward to uh, hearing all about the things that uh, you love about your current mail provider so we can switch you over. But uh, sorry, I shouldn't start with the sales pitch too quickly, right? Yeah, thanks for having me. So, so Rob, I, mean, I guess I say fast mail, but fast mail is a, probably a, a relatively sizable beast um, with different people in different areas. Where, what area of fast mail are you involved in? So I am the senior sysadmin. I sit within what we call our platform team. So it's we look after, you know, the physical hardware, the networks, the operating systems and share things like, you know, databases and storage and that sort of thing and all the stuff that the Fastmail like application, the product sits on top of. So yeah, so I spend my days yeah wondering about, you know, is our network running smoothly? Do we have enough storage capacity for all your email? Those kind of things. So I work within a team of about what are we? I think we're five people now. And that's that's our job, that sort of stuff. And um it's really interesting. And I should clarify for people that aren't listening, sorry, Fastmail is it's an email provider, but <laughs> it also does it also does the other things that you would typically associate with email, calendaring, notes. A bit of file storage. Is that the pitch? How would you? How do you present yourselves, given that you're up against the likes of iCloud, Microsoft, Gmail, probably the, the big best one. email provider on the planet? I think is the tagline. I mean, we used to say email calendar contacts done right, and the pitch is that email is obviously very important. It's like one of the perhaps the last uh, sort of open access internet services. You know, there's no walled garden in theory. Anyone can set up their own email service and they'll all talk to each other. And really communication between businesses and, and sort of home users and everything runs on the back of email. And email is something you should care about. And so we try to kind of sell a boutique service a little bit, something that tries to balance speed and privacy and, you know, all the all the add-on services you'd kind of expect, but also, you know, give you some power user features if you need that stuff, give you personal support. So in some ways, we don't really consider ourselves competitors to things like Gmail and, and you know, Outlook and whatever else. Obviously, there's similar services there, but the way they kind of interact with their market, I suppose, and, and you know, structure their products is sort of built in a different way. Um, you know, the very simple one is we don't do advertising. We don't have a free tier. So for me, I mean, I've had Fastmail for a bunch of years and I've... It's email, right? It's it's probably the mm. one service that we've all had mm. for the majority of our life. You know, instant messaging services have come and gone. Different kinds of social media stuff has come and gone. But email has kind of been there since the beginning, if you've been on computers, at least, you know, if you're a nerd like any of us. And I think we've all gone through, you know, when Gmail first came out and it was like uh -huh. people were paying they were buying email address uh, or no, what was like invite codes on eBay. So you could get a Gmail account and you could be like one of the few that had your special name at Gmail. But that's the nice thing about email is you just keep pushing it to the next service and that's okay. And I finally found Fastmail a number of years ago and it was like, okay, I pay for it. 
great. No, no worries there. They're not going to put a bunch of crap in there. Perfect. It's all just standards based. So I can use whatever I want. Whereas with things like Gmail, it's like, yeah, it does cool stuff. If you use their apps and if you use their web client, well, I don't want to do that. Well, you lose all the good features. Well, that sucks. Whereas Fastmail is just like, here's all the stuff. It's all based on standards. It's great. I appreciate that. And I think it's hard to for people to get excited about email too, which has to be probably somewhat tough for you guys. I'll start by saying thank you for being a customer. And that's a much better sales pitch than mine. I mean, there's always going to be a lot of people for whom email, you know, isn't important for, for whatever reason. Yeah. And I mean, Gmail is a good product if it suits you. But I think, think for us, it's, it's kind of like we understand that there are enough people out there who care about their email, who don't want to spend too much time in their email. Email is not the thing that you do. Email is the thing you do for running your business or talking to your friends or whatever. You want to get in, you want to do the job, you want to get out. We understand that people are willing to pay for that. That's a time saver. And since we know all of our customers are paying and care about their email, we can sort of focus on those use cases a little bit better. So um, it, it tends not to be a difficult sell for the people that understand what it is and why it's important. And then after that, the rest comes out of so, sort of growing that pie, I suppose, comes out of telling people, well, here's why email should be important for you. You know, like email is where all your, you know, reset codes come to, you know, they, the security of your bank and everything else is important for that. Email is something that you will never be locked into. You never have to worry about, you know, what if that service that I chat to my friends dies? It's like, well, email won't do that. And if you don't like our service, we encourage you to take it elsewhere. Can I ask a question about the standards-based element of it you talk about? Yeah, yeah. And this is one of the things that has kind of frustrates me about the email world in which we live at the moment in that I know, you know, I know the two default standards. It used to be POP3 and now it's IMAP. They're the kind of the two. And then, and I know that Fastmail has created something called JMAP, which is apparently one alphabetic increase on IMAP, so it must be better. But also the thing that, getting to the point that frustrates me is I, I know it's based on standards, yet whenever I go to another service that offers to integrate with email, right, they're like, we'll plug into your email and we'll do something with it. They always say direct connections to iCloud, direct connections to 365, direct connections to Gmail, and then there's never fast mail or there's rarely IMAP sort of support. And mm -hmm. it strikes me as like, I don't understand. Like you've got this standards base, but then they seem to kowtow to the other providers. I don't know if that's a question or something you can comment on. I think the, 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 old, the old joke is the great thing about standards is there's so many to choose from. One of the things with email, you know, it's, it's been, you know, it, it sort of started in the 70s. Like there is a, there is a line, modern email in 2021 goes right the way back to work that was happening in 1971. And so it's all been built out of layers and layers and layers and layers. And it means that not everyone has done every part exactly the same way and not everyone has done, you know, sometimes there's little bits of quirks and, and that sort of thing in there. So while it's okay to say, oh yeah, this, this system supports POP3 or more recently, this system supports IMAP. IMAP was standardized in like the current base version of IMAP was standardized in the late 90s, I think, maybe early 2000s. But to build a mail system, on a mail client on top of IMAP for what you would expect to happen 
now, which is, you know, like high quality search and, you know, it works well on your mobile and you can take it offline and come back and it will just synchronize up the differences and that sort of thing. There's just like something like another 45 specs on top of that that you have to build. And not everyone does it exactly the same way and, and all this sort of thing. So and one component of that is discovery. If you come in and you're like, oh, I want to configure my email client, how do you start? And there are standards for being able to basically go from an email address to a, you know, a server name and port and settings and you know, get you to the point where you can basically say, enter your, your username and your email password and off we go. But not everyone supports that. And then if you want to build a, a client that also has calendar and contacts built into that, they're entirely separate protocols, like entirely different, mostly based on, built on what was popular at the time. So like IMAP is a, you know, an old style line-based protocol and calendar and contacts are a like web XML kind of, you know, mid 2000s kind of monstrosity. And so it ends up being very, very difficult to actually, you pull out your, your new iPhone on day one and you want to set it up for sync your email, sync your contacts, sync your calendar, which you definitely do. Those are great things to have in your pocket. It's actually a lot of work and it's very difficult to onboard a user in that situation. So most clients say, well, you're probably on one of Gmail, Outlook or iCloud. So why don't we just have one, you know, one tap automatic setup options for those and off we go. And, you know, it is frustrating because it is possible to not do it that way in a lot of cases, but it's a niche at the end. Rob, there's like there's like a hundred people in the whole universe that actually understand how email work works, and you're one of them. Do you guys, and this is obviously just a secret chat between the four of us, do you ever, at Fastmail, do you, do you all just get in a room and think, how do we just burn this to the ground and start over because it, it does have so much cruft going all the way back to 1971? Or is it more... No, this is still kind of the best way to do it. I think a, a great thing about email success is it's kind of grown up with the world around it. Any attempt to replace it, once you add in all the all the weird things that people use it for, you know, like, you know, you can email people like basically a web page, you know, like a newsletter that's got lots of rich embedded stuff in it, or it can be used as a, you know, a transactional system to, you know, drive other a program will receive the email and take some action based on it. You know, well, there's mailing lists where, you know, you send one email and it fans out to lots of others and like web-based archives, webmail or desktop clients. And once you like, you factor in all these things, I think you don't end up so far from what we have now. But I mean, there are definitely difficulties that have made it very difficult from, you know, I mean, like, like you just said, I've got a great idea and I'm going to build a new thing and suddenly I have to implement, you know, 273 specs and figure out how to interop with the quirks with all these different systems and whatever else. And it's really hard. And we've seen people try that Within the last 10 years, you know, we've seen um, Gmail tried to introduce Inbox, which was like tried their new tilt on how this would work. Um, we saw Dropbox had a system called Mailbox where they were trying to do largely the same kind of thing. Uh, yeah. and, and there's been a couple of smaller players that have tried to sort of reimagine what it might look like, um, you know, whether that's bringing out particular kinds of content. Like here is your travel itinerary. Everything about your, your trip is all automatically put in this box where you can see things. And it's, you know, we, we parse the emails and we try to have a standard format and we, oh, here's images. Great. Let's put them in a carousel and these sort of things. But the problem that we were consistently seeing was anytime you had a new idea, 
by the time you actually got the damn thing to, you know, even just the basic thing to work, by the time you got it to speak IMAP, by the time you got it to do these things, it was like six months later and you're crying in a corner because, and you haven't even got to building your, your idea yet. So the thing, the, the approach we tried to take with it and, and open standards are, are really important to us. Um, you know, for a bunch of different reasons. But we're like, okay, we need to build an open standard here. But we also had to build a thing here. We wanted to build mobile clients. We wanted to build a rich web-based experience like that people expected. And we were like, okay, we can't do this with IMAP. It's going to suck. So we built what's a very early version of um, JMAP, which is now a proper web standard. It's based on modern web standards that every every developer in 2020 and beyond knows, you know, just basic web calls, Jason, it's not dependent on a long-lived connection, which IMAP is. If you get disconnected, you have to restart again, which causes a lot of battery drain. You know, you can't really background it very easily on a mobile phone. Because it's using standard protocols, you don't have to wonder like, oh, how do I parse this kind of weird text protocol and, and all this kind of stuff. And a whole bunch of text stuff. It has calendars and contacts built into it. It has the ability to let the server do a lot of the work. So you can say to the server, could you give me a nice structured representation of this email rather than me having to do all the work of understanding how to parse any email that's possibly arrived in the last 40 years because some people have archives that long. It can just say, you know, email 27, can you give me that? And it's like, yep, here's the subject. Here's the, you know, the paragraphs of text in a nice uniform format that you can deal with. Did Fastmail create JMAP or are they just kind of at the beginning of being able to adopt it? Because I, I had not heard of it until Fastmails. We sort of created it at the start. We hmm. we built our own internal protocol for our, you know, the, the fastmail.com web UI to talk to our servers. Hmm. And as we learned more about what we needed, we gradually added to it and added to it. And then we got to the point where we're like, this is actually pretty cool. We'd love for other people to be able to use this. So we took it to the IETF, which is the Internet Engineering Task Force, which is like where the internet standards are made. And this is like an open forum. Anyone can join in. And then over the course of, I think it probably took four or five years, we gradually refined it there. It has people from, you know, major email providers, email software vendors, you know, and and email client developers, you know, cast of thousands, who basically, people who are interested in email and also interested in calendar and interested in contacts. And we were talking to them about, okay, well, this is what we've got. And they went, wow, this is, this is attempting to solve problems that are real and exist. And mm. no one else has kind of brought something like this. And it looks very, very different to where we started. And we're thankful for that because there are so many great ideas from other people that they brought to it. Yeah, and that was, so, so that was fully standardized as in it, you know, it's officially published and given a stamp of approval by, you know, the various tiers of that, I think middle of last year. And we've been tracking the changes in it as, as we did it. And now that's available for end users in Fastmail. You can go into Fastmail and say, give me a password to let me do JMAP work. And there's a couple of early development JMAP clients around the place, which you can use. So it is, it is right to say that right now there exist internet standards for doing modern email. Because you are who you are, you clearly family members that are not as tech inclined, I'm sure, bring you questions and comments. Uh, how often do you get the, why is my Gmail not working? And you're like, mm, well, here we go. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, never. Um, <laughs> my, my, my family, my extended family are not especially tech savvy, but hmm. also I try to be realistic about what 
people need as well. Um, you know, like I care a lot about email, but as we were saying before, like if, if you don't care about email, you know, just use iCloud or whatever. Like it'll hook up better <laughs> with your iPad and, and go from there. Like you probably don't, I'm not going to try and persuade you that you should pay for, you know, like, you know, some awesome, you know, power tool or whatever when, you know, you knock a nail into the wall. I have to admit, I do my best, but a lot of my non-technically minded friends just look at me and think, why are you even investing brain space into email? Like, who are you? And I'm like, okay, I'm a nerd. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's just it's just what you need, presumably. Presumably you have a real need for it. I know there's plenty of people who just like playing with cool things and you're probably that too. But I mean, it's the same reason I, um, you know, I have a Linux laptop because I'm a nerd and I'm a nerd from the 90s and I never got into computers before they were good. All my kids have, you know, MacBooks and Apple stuff and I ran a Mac for a few years and it's terrible and I'm not going to try and convince you of that. But um, but for, for them, it's what their friends have. The messages app works the way they want it to. I don't really need to think about it a whole lot. They're happy. I'm happy. That's fine. Yeah. Computers are tools. Just reminding you that I'm the editor and this is a very dangerous section. That's why, <laughs> that's why I have, not, have acknowledged that uh, I, I am glad you have found... Techno- made technology choices that work for you and you enjoy because we should all have that. As long as you don't sh** on the iPod, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, no, all the iPod's the last good thing Apple did. But anyway. There you go. Um, <laughs> wow, that'll, that'll make the cut. <laughs> oh, it's a work of art, honestly. Oh, oh man. Okay. Where actually are you located? Because I don't actually know where you are. I know where they are, obviously. Where are you? So I'm in uh, Melbourne... Melbourne, Victoria. Okay. I'm about 50 k's southeast of, of Melbourne. So I'm in the metropolitan area, but yeah. North of Martin then, I believe. South of me. South of Martin. Yeah. <sighs> I, I live in Australia. I still get that mixed up. Yeah. Uh, don't worry, mate. Really? Yeah, it's hard to figure. I never know. I- we have six cities, dude. Come on. <laughs> but I was going to say, all Australian news is dominated by the East Coast, so you would only ever see things from Sydney and Melbourne anyway. That's true. <laughs> I know that Melbourne's down the bottom. <laughs> Sydney's kind of on the side, but where where is Illawarra, Newcastle, whatever? I don't know where any of those places are. Somewhere Illawarra is 90 minutes south of Sydney. Newcastle is like the equivalent north. We just kind of like bookend Sydney, but people think that we're Sydney, which is disgraceful. But right. anyway. And WA is in the west. Yes. And that's all <laughs> yeah. you really need to know. <laughs> Putting the west in WA. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, no, you are, you are right. Andrew, Sydney is all the same and irrelevant. And you're also right, Martin. No one cares about Perth. So there we go. <laughs> Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne represent. Spoken like a true Melbourneian. <laughs> this is my favourite part. Like, you just have such opinions. I'm like, oh, That's the great thing. Because, like, I'm like, these, these guys are Australian. I'll totally yeah. get it. So it's fine. Yeah, totally. But in all seriousness, Fast Mail, fantastic. Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate it. Or we really appreciate um, it, rather. <laughs> no worries. Well, thank you. Thank you for the, those words. We do we do take it seriously. We try hard and, and I'm glad, always glad to hear that you're enjoying, the, enjoying using it and we will keep working at that. I watched um, the worst possible remake of a movie the other night. I saw that and I'm very, I'm impressed you even thought to, that that would be worth your time. I was looking for something that would entertain a five-year-old. No, that's not going to be it. Has has he seen the uh, the OG original? Yes. Has he seen? He yes. has. Okay. I think he preferred the original. As, yeah. as did everybody on the planet. As did I think. the world. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Like Home Alone, there was Home Alone one, great. Yep. Home Alone two was like, okay, obviously a cash grab. We're gonna do it again. He's still a kid. Let's like yep. milk this thing for everything it's worth. 
then that was basically where the world thought we've had enough. That's good. We could stop there. And they're like, you know, we're Hollywood. Let's do the third one. And then I think there was a fourth one. I think, did they get up to six or something? It, there was a lot after the second one. And then this one came out again. We're like, you know what? Let's reboot it because we're Hollywood. And all we yep. can do is reboot shit. We can never <sighs> have an original idea again. We'll just keep remaking shit that people liked but in a much shittier way i know we're gonna remake it and make it worse because that's what people want yep they don't want a better effort they want a worse movie and you know what's the worst about it is they always try to make it as super specific to right now as possible so every reference is like the thing that was funny for a week and you're like have you heard of timeless clearly not and now you've ruined the whole movie and you've shown all these things that make it seem that it's exactly, you could say, this is October 2020. We know. Yep. And yeah, it's awful. Martin, I was just referring to Home Sweet Home Alone. <clears throat> do not watch. Oh, I saw I saw the thumbnail for that and went, do you <laughs> Don't do it no, to yourself. Don't do it. I <laughs> had no plan to. Wait until Mac is five and then <clears throat> crank it out. <clears throat> no. Because that's what I've just done. Home Alone 1 only. Then Home Alone 2, if it's like a real, like, just, we got to show something to this kid today, then never <laughs> pass that. Do not go past two. See, how, sorry, Jason, how old were you when Home Alone 2 came out? I don't know. When did Home Alone 2 come out? I only asked because I saw Home Alone 2 was out when I was a kid. And so my view of one and two is kind of hyper compressed into being out from around the same time. Uh, oh, that makes so sense. So your view of two, I really, I really like number two. <laughs> You know no, I mean? no, I, I, no, two was fine. I, I was telling yeah. Andrew earlier, like one, perfect. Mm. Two was like obviously a cash grab, but the kid was still young and they're like, yeah, well, we got to do another one because like Macaulay Culkin's not yet a crackhead. We need to give him some more cash. Yeah. Like he hasn't done enough meth yet. So we yeah. can probably get away with the second one. Mm. But then after that, it's like the world said we're good after two. Like we don't. We don't need a third. And then they're like, how about three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, whatever. And it was just like, no, no. There are clearly lots of neglected middle class kids in the US. They've got a lot of material. That's all we did. Yeah. And it was just like, leave a kid somewhere, go on vacation. It's fine. (laughs) 92. So I was 10 years old when uh, when uh, the second one came out. Now, see, that's when I was born. You were born in 1992. Jeez. Yes. Jeez, I was in I was in year 10 at high school. So, totally not interested in that movie. Jeez, I'm old. So, that, that just gives you an idea of how, to me, they were kind of... I know they're not the same movie, but they're like, in history. Why do you talk to me? I'm such an old grandpa to you. You were born in 1992. Correct. <laughs> the 90s. You were born in the 90s. I was born in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, he, he speaks and acts like he was born in the 1940s. So, go figure. <laughs> I was thinking like 1840s, but sure. <laughs> Damn it. How old did you think I was, out of curiosity? I was thinking like 89. Oh, okay. Just a couple more years. Like you were 80s, but you like claimed 80s still, but it was like 80, like end of 89. But we're like, I'm not not even what you you would call a 90s kid because I actually properly grew up in the noughties. In the the 2000s. Yeah. So you wouldn't be familiar with Mm. Parker Lewis Can't Lose. No. What? Exactly. The greatest television show ever made. Like he doesn't know what Saved by the Bell is. Doesn't even I, I know of Saved by the Bell, but I don't know of... Oh, man. But not like coming home and watching it on TV after school or something. Like, you were still, yeah. like, crawling. Yeah. We, we walked through snow. Both ways. Glass on the road. Yeah. Bare feet. 
just to watch Parker Lewis can't lose at four. Did o'clock. you say glass on the road? Oh yeah, of course, broken glass. You know. <laughs> wow. Okay. You didn't get that. You <laughs> must have lived. You, you live in the leafy suburbs of the United States, were you? Jeez. Ugh, you don't have glass on your ground. Ugh. New patrons corner. Did you guys know that there are more patrons in the Hemispherian universe? universe? I felt a disturbance in the I think it's a universe, hemisphere. right? It's a hemispheric universe. That's what we're going with. Okay. I want to welcome Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. And John P. Notice how I didn't dox anyone that time with their full name. You're welcome. Matthew and John P., thank you so much. We appreciate you being in the Patreon community and being a Hemispherian. Yes, thank you. Don't forget to go and get all the back catalog in Patreon. There's a bunch of, what is there? There's like wallpapers, there's episodes, there's blog posts, there's the newsletter. It's Mm. basically an endless amount of stuff that has an ending. I'll say that. And don't forget the Discord. Join in there. Oh yeah! Don't be, never be shy of the Discord. We welcome Mm-mm. any and all comers. Sometimes the co- conversation might be to your flavor, it might not be to your flavor. Change it, or come back another day. Yeah. But it's fine. Yeah, you know. And for anyone who hasn't signed up, it's oneprimeplus.com. Oneprimeplus.com. That was our special announcer. I like to think of this show as a particularly weird program, but One Prime Plus is where the weirdest stuff goes. Bits that didn't quite make it in, maybe because I was being a bit of an editorial Nazi, maybe because we didn't have time. It's all the cool stuff. So head there today. OnePrimePlus.com. It's in the game. Is that, <laughs> Jeez, that brings back memories. The, <laughs> is that the tagline? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so many memories it is also nostalgic november so i just had a nostalgic moment when jason said that because i suddenly had memories of playing all the ea sports games on xbox and playstation mm-hmm. for many many years and it, you'd have to sit in that through that bit where the guy said sorry what did he say jason it's in the game yeah it's really <laughs> annoying <laughs> so that's my piece of nostalgia but sh- please yeah. share your piece of nostalgia anyway email it to us put it on discord put a blog post and link to it uh, put on Twitter. Yeah, at Hemispheric Pod. Don't do Facebook because none of us go there and we won't see it. But yeah, share something that's nostalgic. And at the end of the month, we'll put it all in a blog post and share it so people can see what the community loves. Yeah, it's in the game. Yeah, you'd be playing. You'd be playing NBL Two K Two, and you'd boot it up, and it'd be like Hemispheric Views. It's in the game. And then the game would start. So that's so good. He's got that American accent down pat. Yep. <laughs> it's like I live here. Weird. So thank you, patrons. So yeah. <laughs> Looking at our notes. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. We're so good. Be fun to edit. <laughs> Looking at our notes, Andrew, uh, you're going to whinge about something financial. Go on. Oh, here we go. Oh, look, this, oh, you've combined two this. of my favorite things, whinging and finances. Bang, in the one topic. My previous, one of my apps that I loved and supported so fervently, YNAB, otherwise known as You Need a Budget, mm. have... You need a new app. You got the community in quite the tizzy. <laughs> For a budgeting... Let me, let me just pose this to you. If you're a budgeting app and you one of your things is teaching a method by which to manage money. And that Mm. method is to plan ahead for future expenses. 
So know that you're going to have a bill in six months' time. So start mm-hmm. saving for it now. And we'll mm-hmm. give you a, a system and an app that will help you start saving for that thing so that in six months' time, you won't have spent that money at the casino. You'll have it set aside, ready to go. <laughs> okay. Sounds great. Tell me more. Okay. So then that company announces with less than one month's notice, oh, we're just going to drop a price increase on you. Almost, it may potentially double the cost of our app for some people. What? In less than a month. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. We just decided that we looked at our we looked at our own internal finances and realized we hadn't been budgeting effectively and mm. we need a bit more revenue. Now I'm depressed and I have to go to the casino. There you go. It's a double whammy. Man. So that So is it fair to say though that this is actually an opportunity for you, Andrew? Because now that this unexpected or, you know, short notice this message mm. has been dropped on you, isn't it a possibility for you to actually use some budgeting expertise to find something else that can be moved or reduced elsewhere to, uh, to meet the expectations of your own budget? Isn't this a test of your own skill that you can relish? Well, this is the problem. See, I, I, I don't want to, just this nefarious performance they've put on, I don't want to support it. So giving them more money in the face of them announcing this, this cash grab really hurt me. Before I get to the answering your question, how did they announce said cash grab? Can I guess? Yeah, please. I would guess that they gave you a well-crafted and, and marketing speak email that was very lengthy and told you all of the reasons in which this was a good idea and that they apologized profusely for having to do this on such short notice. But in order for the wonderful business to continue, this was unfortunately uh, a thing that had to happen despite their dreadful regret to their uh, customer base. I would wish they had done something so nice as that. Mm, Instead, they, didn't they issued an in-app pop-up. Oh. Two paragraphs basically <laughs> saying, oh, look, yeah, look, we know that you've kept with your money, but we've got to put our prices up. So from... December, you'll be seeing new prices for your renewals. And was the only option that you could actually press to dismiss it the word okay, which well, is precisely I, what you weren't with it? I don't even know. You see, the thing is, I never got that pop-up because I use NextDNS, an ad blocker that blocks those sorts of pop-ups from ever occurring. Oh, no. So, so it's your nev- fault. So I never saw it. I never saw the announcement. They didn't ever email anybody until... The, their forums exploded and Reddit exploded with fury and outrage. Perhaps they could do an AMA. Funny you should say that, Jason. I feel like you've done some research. They decided, let's get on the front foot. Okay, so they sent it. They sent a carefully crafted email that said nothing. I love finally. stoking this fire. As do I. And then they said, let's do an AMA. Reddit. I mean, that for, solves everything. That's nothing ever. Ask me anything, right? You just yeah. you send your representative there and take. Questions from the crowd. Fix it. Mm-hmm. How do you think that went? That's like being real with the people, you know? It's like, I'm going to get in there with the people and understand yep. their needs, and we're going to get together on this and come to a resolution, and everyone's going to be okay when we leave. That's probably what happened, I imagine. Yeah, so what happened basically was that the CEO came. <laughs> Apparently, the CEO, Todd, mm. is a very slow typist. Oh, to- Todd. Todd, I think you should be working on your typing speed. We, we, we've got an episode for that. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so he didn't answer many questions. 
the answers that the the answers that he did gave would always start with he could have saved himself some time here but there was always like look i hear you but mm. that was like he maybe had a text expander snippet for that i hear you but mm. he would always go on about value right mm. so todd values value it's the value proposition. It's value proposition. So his answers were so, his very few answers were so terrible. Then the Reddit community got on board and they were consistently downvoting <laughs> those answers because they, they were you terrible. <laughs> so it was just a dumpster fire. Many, many, many long-term wine abusers have departed the service. I have spent some time looking around at options. Now this is the problem where it gets, this is where we get sticky moments, right? Very difficult yeah. here. Mm-hmm. There is mm-hmm. no other service that is quite comparable to what mm. WineAb offers. Hence the mm. reason, if I look at economics, why they put up their prices, right? It's great. This is what the market does. They're a monopolist. Mm-hmm. Prices go up. So what have I done? I bought myself a gift certificate for another 12-month service at the current prices. You showed them. Man. Yeah, right. What are they going to do now? You really stuck it to them. I know. I gave them, I gave them <laughs> more money but less money than they might otherwise have gotten. Oh my gosh! Good on and you. The gift certificate's digital, right? You're not actually getting something in the mail. Well, well, maybe that's why it's so expensive. No, I do. They, they actually emailed me on that one, and the email was signed off from their no longer CEO, which is good. Pre Todd, not Todd Value. Jesse Meekham, who built the company but is no longer CEO, he's still signing off the gift certificates. Interesting to see. Good for him. So, yeah. So he's still employed, at least. He's still he's. Head of gift certificates. Yes. Yeah, like. I think it's okay. A, so that's a titular good. job. Good for him. So, yeah, and there we go. So, basically, now I've got a wine app service for the next two years. Still doesn't support bank import in Australian banks. Mm-hmm. They no. recently rolled out a loan feature, which is a hot piece of garbage. Mm. And uh, I'll just keep doing my envelope budgeting with them, though. Okay. So, it's safe to say that your your referral code will be in the show notes? Is oh, that absolutely. I'm going to try and claw yeah. back some of these price increases. Right, right. I thought so. Okay, great. <laughs> and is this, where, is this where you announce you're giving away a gift certificate for YNAB, or is that not happening? That's probably no, that not going to happen. that is not going to happen. No. That is Sorry, not going to happen. It is, look, I love gift certificates, but it doesn't sound like the one. So, yeah, there's YNAB. It's still, it's, uh, I'm very disappointed in the company. They've let themselves down but they're still the best option out there. And, hmm. you know, still maybe at the current pricing, still worthy of money. But hmm. if, let's say, can I just, can I pose a hypothetical for you? Sure. Let's say where they said, you know what, uh, Australia users, um, tell you what we're going to do here. We're going to increase your price. What was it? 2X, 5X, 2X? I don't 2X. remember what it was. 2X. 2X. Let's say we're going to boost it up 2X. I know that sounds like a lot, but what we're going to do is we're expanding our bank integration into your market. Um, we're also, we're, we're taking feedback and we're working on making that mortgage thing that you have labeled, uh, let me check my notes, a hot piece of garbage to be a less warm, more room temperature, potentially piece of garbage. Would that, it all entice you at this 2X price increase? It might just get me over the line because it's mm, still going to, okay. the app is still going to deliver genuine. What if I told you that we're adding in, like, we're increasing the price 2x, but what mm. if we're increasing the value 8x? Oh, Does that help you at all? Mate, you, yeah, value. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, not right. only am I happy, Todd's happy at that point. Todd Todd value is increasing the value. That is. Okay. Got that's it. really good. I just want so, to check. I mean, I, I don't speak for them, obviously, but I just want, you know, they're listening. Obviously, they're going to listen because this is probably where they get most of the referrals from the show. So I just want to let them know that, you know, more value would be valuable to their valuable customers who value value. It just hurts me so much. You know, this is an app that I use. I use, I use it daily. I, lo- I mm. love a budget and I mm. love looking at my budget. You have budget. it in your dock. I just want to point out you have this ugly app in your dock. <laughs> I just want to make sure everybody knows that. I love it. Love yeah. it on mobile. Love it on yeah. Uh, yeah. the Mac. It's a valuable the, app browser. for you, we could say, right? Is it a valuable app? Yeah. A lot of value. Yeah. Todd's app, very valuable. So look, it's, it does good things, but they, they're, mm. quickly, they're quickly uh, mm. going into a dark place. They need to course correct. That's too bad. Mm. You heard it here. Get on it, uh, Y-N-A-B. Maybe work on that name. Workshop that name a little bit too would be maybe I know. valuable. I, I used to consider myself a Y-N-A-B-A. I'm not sure I am anymore. I don't, I don't think I would ever want that to be <laughs> something I considered myself. <laughs> <laughs> The Remarkable 2. I recently watched a YouTube video of someone in a governmental position in Australia. I'm not going to name names. And there was a Remarkable 2 in the shot from which things were being read, which leads me to believe that it must be a pretty okay product that's still being used. How's that going in the WA household? If it were, I don't want to call anybody out. Like, let's just say theoretically they lived in WA and you heard about it because everybody kind of knows everybody there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how's that going? I think I know the person to whom you're referring. Yeah, I figured you might. Remarkable 2 is still going very well. It had a bit of an upset okay. recently, though. That You may have heard that they moved to a subscription as a service oh, model. Oh, boy. Okay, yeah. Death. Only one month's notice, I hear. Death what? spiral, pretty much. <laughs> and, it was, and it was a pop-up. <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing that was saved was that this person had bought the Remarkable before, mm. so they were grandfathered in. So let's see how long ah, that offering lasts Nice, for. nice. Love but, it. So they still well, get what all What is a sim- subscription to a Remarkable? I'm ah, confused what that I would do for you. I think it's just like Cloud Sync, which kind of seems oh. fundamental to the product. Which was free when you bought the product, I'm assuming. Yep, yep. So basically, oh, it's just, to my way of understanding, it's like a way of getting it from a compu- something from a computer to a remarkable without having to plug mm. it in. So the margin on the hardware was ultra low, but they did it anyway to get them out the door and then realized this margin isn't going to cut it. I think so. I think okay. so. That must but be what all it that is. aside, let's throw that out the window because we're grandfathered. So we love that grandfather well, lifestyle. Well, we were grandfathered. and then But then the software update, you had to accept the new terms and conditions. and that Oh, <laughs> T's and C's. Yeah. And, and, and apparently mm. that, that bricked the whole process anyway. I'm sorry, what? It bricked the... It bricked the device and the sync service. The terms and conditions bricked the device. The T's and C's were accepted. That's a hardcore T's and C's. (laughs) (laughs) Decline. Bricked. (laughs) The grandfathering process didn't really seem to work because at that point, nothing worked. There was no connection between devices. Is there a gift certificate you can buy to... uh... (laughs) (laughs) So there was communication with the help desk. There was videos of the process sent. Because they didn't okay. believe anything until you video it and show them. No, I wouldn't. No. To their credit, I don't think they ever responded to the final uh, support ticket and the video that was sent, but it suddenly started working again. So we're going okay. mm. to call that a win and move on. Okay. But as a device, still good. Is that 
fair to say? Still, still beloved. Beloved in but the household. maybe think about buying it as a new customer today. Yes, I would be cautious of it. Okay. Really make sure you look at the, the fine print. Got it. Um, but as a device, if you just want something that you can take notes on in meetings and you're not like a put the laptop up in front of somebody and slam away on a keyboard, you want to do handwritten, but you want to be able to text recognize stuff later, hand it off to an assistant to be able to take do some more work mm, with. I'm big on that. Remarkable too. That's where it's at. Okay. Good. Just want to check in because I it's I saw it. I forgot about it entirely, and it sparked my interest because I saw it still existed. And I I think this is a prime example of a product that can easily fall into the drawer product, I guess as I'll call it, where seems cool, is fun for two weeks, and then immediately goes in a drawer somewhere and is never heard from again. No, you're right. And look, I know this is beloved because the amount of upset and angst that the oh. the failure of the sync service caused in the household, oh. was it was palpable. Mm. So mm. we need to get that fixed pronto because there was anxiety from not having the remark. You probably almost lost your job because of it. You probably almost got fired. Yeah. 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 Okay. So remarkable too. Thank you. Well considered. Beep, bop, boop, beep, boop. Hi, Pedro. I just wanted to say hi to Pedro because Pedro emailed me recently on my personal internet blog. That is a internet website where I write content if no one's ever heard of a blog. And he listens to the show and I believe he found me through the show. I'm not really sure, but I wanted to say hello to Pedro in case he still listens. Maybe he only listened to one. We don't know. But if he's still here, hello, Pedro. That'd be nice. I love the idea of Pedro just listening to our show, just cruising the streets, maybe on a little walk. And suddenly he's like, whoa, they're talking about me. Yeah, it was it was an interesting... I don't get a lot of email or contact through my, my uh, internet location on the web. But, you know, every once in a while, somebody will come across it. I don't know how they find it. Maybe through micro.blog, maybe through a good old-fashioned internet search, perhaps. Uh, maybe my SEO is not as bad as the spam emails would lead me to believe of all the people... <laughs> wanting to help me out with my SEO optimization. Um, but yeah, Pedro had a, had a great question about the, the home wiki that I had talked about previously on the, I think I maybe talked about it here too. I don't remember now, but, um, yeah. Hi, Pedro. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. But it raises a really interesting point that I've been thinking about. I know that Eric in our listenership, in our audience, and he's active on Discord, has talked about how he listens or has listened to our show while doing his, like, jog training or running mm. or something. Yeah, he runs a lot. And it does it's make like- you think, yeah, he's running all the time. Mm. I don't know how he does it. I, I think he either. runs while he discords. Anyway, I think so. Uh, that's hard. Um, anyway, <laughs> I was just thinking, in what way do people actually listen to this show? Are we a relaxing show? Are we, uh, like, a highly charged show? Or do we compliment work? Uh, I mean, it... I mean, we're just sitting here having a chat, having a good time, but I'd be interested to know if any listeners want to send us something at Hemispheric Views on micro.blog or at Hemispheric Pod and tell us how you listen to this show mm. or what it's good or bad for. Does it complement work? Is it distracting? I'd be really interested to know that. That's a good question because there are certain shows that I listen to where I can't, it's like strictly a while I'm driving show or a some things I can do while I'm doing work, but others I can't. That's, uh, yep. that's a good... Yeah, I don't know what this would be. I remember Gabby, when he shared his desk photo, so he would listen... I think he mentioned he listened to us at his job. You remember the, you know, his desk where it's like in the dead of night, he's in that 
sheltered bunker thing mm. with no yeah, windows. in the hole. Yeah. Could be any time of the day or night. <clears throat> Poor guy. Yeah. So. With the corn. He, like, was in the cornfields listening to us <laughs> at night. It was odd. It was almost like a cult thing, which maybe we are. I don't know. If we are, that's fine. I'm not. Maybe he's a child that. of the corn. Who knows? He could be. That's quite possible. That's good. I would like to know the answer to that question, though. I think I like to think we're a driving podcast. Hmm. But who am I to say? I think as long as anybody's listening to it, I don't really care where they're doing it. I think it's uh, as long as it's not an unsubscribing podcast, I'm I'm happy. <laughs> Give me your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. My CPU is a neural net processor, a learning computer. The more contact I have with humans, the more I learn. It's not a tumor. I tell you, it's not a tumor.